Well, hello and welcome in again to the Worship Life Podcast with Mike Harland. I am your co-host, Brian Brown. And Mike, we are still bunkered down as we record uh, this podcast. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but you know, the Georgia people like to say hunker down. Um, right. I guess we can say bunker down because that's kind of what down in the bunker. we're still in the bunker, the B.B. McKinney bunker. I was talking to my friend Mark Swadley. He's a worship pastor up in Kentucky that listens to our podcast. And Mark was telling me uh, about uh, the listening to that B.B. McKinney bunker, those podcasts. He was asking <laughs> me about that yesterday. And uh, and we are mindful that there are a lot of guys out there that listen to, to our podcast and and I thought today, Brian, if you, this is okay with you, I thought we would just try to speak some encouragement to some of our friends out there. I think we all need a little bit of that today. Absolutely. We need some encouragement. We need some positivity. And um, we need to be reminded, Mike, what you and I talked about a few weeks ago. As Christians, um, we need to be facing these things differently, and, and that needs to be visible. It's a testimony to the outside world that... Um, you know, we know that God's got this, and we have to demonstrate the, the faith that God's got this, that He's got us, and that all of these things that are happening are, are going to work together for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purposes. God's still on mission, and we're still to be on mission with Him. We're going to see, as Henry Blackaby would say, wherever God is working and what God is doing, and we're going to join Him in His mission. And none of that has changed. That's exactly right. I I, um, I, I, you know, my my friend David Manor. He's the uh, the uh, worship consultant for Nebraska, Kansas. Um, yes. And David is such a such a thought leader. I mean, his blogs and his posts every day. Uh, there's a lot of people listening to what David is saying. He's got such a, a heart of wisdom about so much, and really brings a spiritual perspective. And uh, and David, I had had one recently about. Uh, a lot of things have changed. Our, our methods have changed. Our, our, uh, the stuff we're doing has changed, but what we're called to do has not changed at all. That our mission is remaining the same. Our tools and our, our, our approaches might be changing in this online worship and this social distancing kind of worship gatherings. But the mission of what we're called to do has not changed one bit. And uh, what a great reminder that is. Uh, as we go forward to not take our eyes off the point of all of this and get be so dis, distracted with the nuts and bolts of ministry that we miss the main thing we're called to do, which is to lead the church in worship. Absolutely, Mike. It's funny because we, we're all kind of hitting various walls, I think, as we've been uh, isolated for so long, locked down for so long, out of our normal routine for so long. And it's easy to get tired. It's easy to get weary. And if we forget where our source, well, who our source is and, and where our joy comes from, we can easily be surrounded by the circumstances. You know, my dad is not the only uh, old preacher who likes to say, uh, he would talk to people and say, how are you doing? They say pretty good under the circumstances. My dad used to say, "Well, that's your problem. You shouldn't be under your circumstances. Exactly. You got to get on top of them." Exactly. So it's it really is about reminding ourselves uh, who we serve and where our strength comes from, where our joy comes from. That's exactly comes right. From I, I, your dad is exactly right with that, and I think it's important that as we are facing the challenges, I think it is very critical that every leader out there is also looking for those small and and sometimes inconspicuous, sometimes very conspicuous things that we know God is doing. 
I think the Lord's yeah. at work here. I think, and I think we need to call those moments out. I, there are churches who have seen their footprint in their community grow as their yes. church has stepped into the front lines of helping to take care of first responders or helping to put together care packages for people that are isolated in nursing homes or all. The church is, has, has been challenged perhaps like never before in, the, in a similar way to really be creative in how it's reaching into a community. And, uh, and churches have had to grow. They've had to adapt. They've had to innovate. And all of those things have been muscles that some of these churches haven't used very often in recent years. And I'm, I'm hearing stories about churches that are actually coming alive uh, yes. as they are facing the challenges of a pandemic. And that's just one isolated way that we know we know that God is at work and that he is doing something magnificent for the benefit of his church. Yes, I saw a story this week, Mike, about a church here in the Tennessee area that decided to just give back to their community, to some of these small business owners who've been out of work for quite a long time. I've seen churches that are doing everything from making masks to sending yes. food to to helping send sanitizing materials, um, starting up food banks if they didn't have one before. Uh, people need all of the resources that churches can provide. And the, and the ministry churches can provide. And Michael, people need ex- encouragement. Yes. I mean, we, we talk about getting discouraged ourselves and how important it is to remind ourselves what our source is and our source of joy. But it's also important as we're explaining to people what the new rules are going to be as we re-engage our various phase ones, phase twos, and phase, phase threes that we're going through. Those things need to be expressed with a, with a heart of hope and a heart of optimism and a heart of joy. People need encouragement as much as they need instruction right now. And I think it's a very important. Oh, I think you're, you're exactly right. And I'm also hearing about leaders who are falling back in love with their congregations. Uh, oh, you know, that's maybe good. they've been there a while and they've uh, kind of got into a flow of activity and routine and their small circle of people has become rather established and, and they mm. have a general relationship with a lot of people, but they have a close relationship with just a very few. And I've, I've heard about pastors who have, who are pressing through the challenges of isolation and they're breaking through to, to Zoom conferences and to phone calls and little by little becoming more and more acquainted with, with members of their flock. And they're finding themselves being drawn back to that shepherding, uh, that shepherding role that maybe had, had become more routine than, than, than anything else. And now, because the routine was completely disrupted, they're finding again how much they love taking care of their flock. And, and I'm hearing about pastors that are walking into worship centers to preach to an, to a camera and seeing mm-hmm. the faces of their, of their congregation put all over the pews in different places. And that, and how I've seen videos of pastors move to tears. At just at just the sight of their the pictures of their families, and and this isolation has helped leaders re- realize and and reflect on just how much they love the people, and and how excited they're going to be to get back together. So so there's many things. I mean, we've just laid labeled two or three, and just mentioned two or three. I bet our listeners have things that they've seen that they can point to and say, God's doing this right here right now yes. in our church. Yes. And boy, we would love to, to know about that. If, if people could write us and tell us, give us that testimony, we'll share it uh, with, with, yep. with people and, and to encourage others. 
Uh, and so if you've got a story like that of something God's doing in your church through this where you see growth and development, man, please pass that along to us. We would be honored to share that to encourage other people that are walking through the same road that you are. I tell you, Mike, this reminds me a lot, this this thing that we're going through. Uh, there's many times in scriptures uh, where we see the 40 day. 40 days of trial or 40 yeah. days. And, and, and I think we're, we're probably past that in many cases. But these extended ongoing wanderings in the wilderness, and it's an opportunity for us to call ourselves back to prayer and back to discipleship and back to devotion. You know, I can find myself looking for things to binge watch, Mike, but I don't know how much <laughs> yeah. binge praying I've been doing <laughs> yeah. or binge Bible now. reading I've been doing. Right, you're I mean, these are opportunities. You're meddling now, yeah. Mike. Yeah. You're meddling. Oh, you're exactly right. I mean, we've got all this time. I mean, think about how many things we've said. Boy, if I just had more time, I'd do this or that. Yes. And well, you know what? We've just been given more time. Uh, and uh, what are we doing with it? And and what is God teaching us uh, in the uh, in the meantime? When you were talking about that, Brian, my mind was drawn to Psalm 90. It's one of my favorite psalms in all, all of the Psalter. It's the Psalm of Moses. Moses wrote this psalm. And there's a verse that really means something significant in Moses' story. And I think it could be really significant in ours, too. It's verse, let's say it's verse um, 15 in Psalm 90. He says, Make us rejoice for as many days as you have humbled us, for as many years as we have seen adversity. And Moses, Moses is saying there's a correlation in God's economy that the years of humility produce in us years of rejoicing. And, mm. and, and for as many days as we've been humbled, for as many years as we've seen adversity, God, we will rejoice. And I'm telling you, we're walking through the days of adversity, the days of humility. That's what we're walking through. We're, we're reminded yes. on every turn that God is in charge of all this and that we are not. We don't have the power to change this. We don't have the power to make our government do what we think the government should do. And we certainly don't have the power to affect a virus and where it might go and how it might infect people. But but our prayer can be the same as Moses. We can say, okay, God, for as many days as we are being humbled, as many years as we're seeing adversity, would you bring rejoicing and worship out of that? And we can believe that God's going to do that. He did it in Moses' life. Moses yes. was in the wilderness for 40 years, and he had a ministry of 40 years uh, where, where he saw God moving. Uh, and I think the correlation will work for us, too, that God will do something amazing uh, for the time that, he is, that we are on the shelves, so to speak. He is preparing something in our future that will correlate to that, and we can be excited about the day when we will see that come to fruition in our lives. So there's a whole lot to be to be thankful for and to be excited about, even as we walk these roads of uncertainty. Absolutely, Mike. Not just the joy that that will come in the days ahead uh, when we get to the other side, but there's joy in the midst of it. There's there's praise in the midst of it. Sure. There's there's a peace that passes understanding in the midst of it. So we can both have a hope for what the future holds, and of course for us, it, uh, a hope for what eternity holds. That is a blessed uh, hope and gives us great confidence. But then there's also the ability 
to praise him in the storm, to yeah, praise him right. in the midst of it all. And and so you you find this all throughout Scripture to where miracles are happening in the midst of trial and praise is going up. I think of Paul and Silas in prison yeah. and singing the songs the of praise song. in the midst yeah. of it. Yes, yeah. yes, singing the song at midnight, knowing that salvation's coming, but the joy, we, we don't have to wait. I guess that's what I'm saying. We don't have to wait till the end of it to yeah. experience the joy yeah, as exactly Christians. Right. We can experience the joys right in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, you're preaching now. And and I tell you what, <laughs> uh, uh, the great songwriter, theologian, Andre Crouch, if we never mm. had a problem, we yes. would never know that he can solve them. And, yes. uh, and and I think about that great Scott Crepain song from years ago that sometimes he calms the storm, other times he calms his child uh, mm, in the storm. Good. And I love, I've always yeah. loved that song. And, you know, I, I was talking about David Manor. Uh, I've got to give a shout-out to just a group of people in general, and that would be guys that do what David does in our state conventions, the Baptist state conventions. We know we have lots right. of listeners that aren't Baptists, but in our Baptist churches, uh, we have these state associations, and and there's, some, there's a compelling group of worship leaders in those various states and I'm watching all those guys, their blogs and their, their information they're sharing. And I think about a guy like Kenny Lamb over in North Carolina who is constantly yep. pulling together resources and trying to help churches navigate the legalities of streaming music, but also uh, trying to share the best information that we can share uh, to churches as churches need to make informed decisions about what they're going to do in response to all this. And I think about Kenny. I think about my friend Slater Murphy. You know, Slater's down in Mississippi, oh, my, yeah. home, my home state. And Slater uh, published a newsletter this week where he put some things in that were so helpful uh, about uh, helping leaders ask really good questions when they think about mm. reopening and reassembling their choirs. And, and I guess every day that goes by, it seems like music guys and worship leaders are facing a whole new set of questions. And I would yes. encourage um, folks out there to find those guys that are in your state that are, that are sharing this information. Uh, and, and I think you'd find what they're sharing to be very helpful. For instance, here's, here's, the, here's something that's very current as you and I record this, is that we're in this brackish water of... Mm-hmm. All online or all the way open, and, right. and different states are phasing in the reopening of of public things, and churches fall into that. We know there are a few states where the governors have actually said churches cannot open, and there's litigation and all that going on those states. Right. And then there are other states that are saying churches can open, but there's very strict guidelines around what they can do. And then other states where the churches are pretty much on their own to make their own decisions. I mean, it varies uh, state to state and even town to town within within those states. And so Slater was sharing in his most recent newsletter uh, some of the ideas of thinking of phasing in worship. And he, he, he did six levels of, of opening your worship. Uh, level one, no risk online. Everybody's at home. Level two, slight risk online. And people are beginning to go to grocery stores and Walmarts and they're wearing masks. Level three would be some risk, online worship, and um, and but maybe the groups get a little smaller where it's not just your family, but maybe it's small groups 
that are meeting. And level four would be would have some more risk. It would be online worship with a limited seating area with social distancing. It could be a Bible study classes, 10 or less, those kinds of things. Level five is a little bit higher risk where the worship is gathering. It's a larger crowd, uh, you know, that and people are singing. And level six would be um, highest risk of all would be everybody in, a, in the same. It's whosoever will may come in choirs and large scale level six. And if you look at the, across the country, I mean, that's 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 Slater in Mississippi talking about six levels of opening. Well, we right. know around the country, everybody has their own version of that. And it's going to be different um, city to city and state to state, depending on the guidelines that are there and the outbreaks that are there. And, and so every leader is going to have to really navigate this slowly, deliberately. You're going to have to do it in, in concert with certainly your pastor will drive this decision, but your church leaders, your local medical uh, professionals, uh, your local governmental agencies, uh, the guidelines that your state, your governor might have imposed, all of these factors and the, and the ways churches are approaching this are as unique as each individual church is. And no one answer is going to fit for everybody. So we're just praying for everybody. We're just asking that uh, we, everybody just do the very best you can, knowing what you know and where you are in your local context. But then the other appeal I want to make is let's all be patient with one another if, yes. the church, if the church down the street feels differently about it than your church does and makes a different choice than what you make, or even within your own church, if you feel like you need to wear a mask in worship, but the person that's maybe a couple of pews over doesn't feel that way, it's going to be so important, and vice versa, by the way, it's going to be so important that the body of Christ model a patience and a consideration of others all the way through a process that's going to be it's going to be kind of awkward for everybody walking through these various phases of corporate worship. Yeah, Mike, and I think it's something we've got to be careful about. I was thinking about the fruit of the Spirit uh, that reveals, you know, and patience is certainly part of that, gentleness, uh, compassion, kindness, all of these kinds of things are involved. And I tell you, we can get very judgmental very quickly. It's oh, just too. our nature as human yeah. beings to yeah, want we're to judge. we to do that, aren't we? We really are. We, we all, are. All of us. We, we like to be on the jury of any decision. We just do. And and we're wired that way. And God made us that way. We just have to keep our flesh in check. I'll give you a a real example, uh, just a practical example. I've heard quite a bit said about, you know, maybe loving your neighbor, the way the Bible talks about loving your neighbor, would be be the willingness to wear a mask. But not because you're trying to protect your health, but because you're trying to protect uh, the health of another person, or you're trying to put them at ease, and you understand they might uh, think a mask is critical, and you don't feel that way at all, but you might wear a mask uh, in deference to that person's feelings. But but right. the thing about th- that example is you could flip it completely upside down and say the exact opposite. I've, I've read reports this week that, that wearing a mask, there are many medical people that would say wearing a mask is actually toxic to the person wearing the mask, that it doesn't really protect against a virus all that well, and that it actually creates more difficulties. And there are people that are talking about they're getting fatigued and they're overall not feeling very well after they've worn a mask for a long time. And so maybe 
um, not wearing a mask is, is you're actually uh, being more considerate or not requiring someone else to have a mask on. You might be thinking of them first. You might be looking at that person who's not wearing a mask and be willing to say, you know, maybe it's best for them not to. So I'm saying both directions, this willingness to put the other's interests, the other person first has to be paramount in the believer's mind. And don't get stuck with your position, no matter how informed you think it may be, uh, and and to the point that you have no tolerance or patience for someone that feels differently. Well, yeah. Because we're all going to walk through this, and everybody's going to feel differently about how they need to handle it. Yeah, the key, I mean, you can observe someone's actions. You can call someone out for their actions. I mean, you can say whether or not somebody is or is not wearing a mask. Where we err is when we go to deciding we know why they are yeah. or why they're yeah. not, what their motivation is, yeah. and whether or not they're motivation is a Christian or an unchristian motivation. <laughs> exactly. Now you've gone now into God's territory. Yeah, exactly. he, he's the only one who knows what their motivation is. Yeah, exactly. You can only observe what their behavior is, but when yeah, the moment exactly you assign right. a motivation, you know what, Brian, you've gone thing, beyond yourself. Yeah, the other thing about your, that's so well said. Uh, the other thing I would say too is that, that we tend to uh, 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 cast on the other person the thought, the ways that we think about things, and right. and so they may be they may be looking at a whole different set of facts and realities of what you, me, and you are looking at, and so the principle in the scripture is this willingness to give the other individual the benefit of the doubt all the way, and not jump to the worst conclusion that you can jump to uh, re- regarding someone's behavior. So I tell you what I'd like to do, Brian. I, I've got, there's a verse in Psalm 105 that jumped at me, uh, jumped out at me a couple of weeks ago. That's just been driving my thinking about all this. As I think about the hand of God and what He is doing in our churches and in our world right now, and and it, Psalm 105 is one of those great psalms that that uh, kind of tell the history of Israel. It kind of chronicles the story of Israel, and this verse that. And some of the folks out there have probably heard me say this, but this verse that is touching this this idea of Joseph, um, it's verse 16 of Psalm 105. It says, He called down a famine against the land and destroyed the entire food supply. He had sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. And this little two verses, verses 16 and 17 of Psalm 105, it, the, the, we all know the story. It's several chapters long in the, toward the end of the book of Genesis of how Joseph winds up in the exact place to help Israel survive this famine. Uh, the day that his brothers walk into that palace in Egypt asking for food, Joseph's sitting on that throne. And God had orchestrated all of that years and years before. And he sent a famine, but he had sent a man ahead of the famine. And the circumstances that he used to put that man in that seat are just remarkable. I mean, being being sold into slavery, being falsely accused, being thrown into prison, and then the interpretation of the dreams. And I mean, these five or six steps. And on the day of God's choosing, Joseph is in the seat to give the word and save Israel. The Messiah was going to come from this tribe, and 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 Joseph was there, and God had sent him ahead of time with all those circumstances, and he already had the end worked out from the beginning of all of it. I mean, 
the person listening to this story would see Joseph thrown into a pit and would be so sad. But heaven wasn't sad that day because heaven saw this was just a step in a long process of God accomplishing his will. And if we zoom into the coronavirus, into the spring of 2020, and all we see is COVID-19, we could miss this macro view, this zoomed out view that, that we will only be able to measure in eternity. And that is that God has done something all along and that this, this is only part of something greater that he is already doing. And as Psalm 90 reminded us, there's going to be a rejoicing that's going to grow out of the challenge of right now. And our leaders out there, we've got to hang on to that. And we've got to be encouraged today to know that that's the God we serve, a God that loves us so much that he sends a man ahead of time before the famine ever comes. And that's what God's doing in our lives right now today, too. Amen, Mike. And what a great reminder that every bit of this is unfolding exactly as God uh, knows it's going to unfold and intends for it to unfold. And he's still in control of all of it when we feel probably more out of control than we've ever felt in our lives. That was a great reminder from Scripture. Mike, I think we'd love to hear from our church, as you mentioned it earlier. We'd love to hear from our listeners. Uh, Email us, worship at lifeway.com. Tell us about what God's Word is teaching you during this season. We always ask uh, during this time how, what your plans are uh, for reopening, for re-engaging, uh, what your plans are to continue some of the strategies. Mike and Cliff talked about last week what they're doing at, at Woodstock, Georgia. Yeah. But we'd love to hear from you what, what your plans are for maybe continuing some of the, the digital uh, evangelism that you've been able to do into a future state. Maybe there's a lot of things that we've uh, created done during this season that we might want to continue. So email us, worshipatlifeway.com. You can also join us on the worshiplife.com webpage. You can find all the podcasts there, all the blogs, and interact with each other. And then, of course, we're on all the social media platforms as well. And whatever your favorite social media platform is, you'll find Lifeway Worship there. Mike, anything else before we sign off? Well, I just want to tell our folks out there, we we want to encourage you today. We want you to know we're praying for you. We're here for you. You can call us anytime. If you just want to talk and you just want to share, uh, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us and uh, and just know that we're here to support you. And and if you haven't taken advantage of the church assistance plan through LifeWay.com, I'd remind people to look at that and take advantage of that. LifeWay wants to help you every way we can. Lifeway.com slash church assistance, the church assistance package there. You can find out all the details. Until next time, for Mike Harlan, this is Brian Brown saying thanks for joining us on the Worship Life podcast with Mike Harlan. We'll be back together to talk about worship and music in ministry very soon. Mm